In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is a unique gospel, not one that we often hear during the year. Uh, and what I mean by that is next year, probably you won't hear this gospel. You'll hear the second Sunday of Tuba. Uh, usually we have the Sunday Gospels, but because today is the second day of the Feast of the Epiphany, don't ask me why there's two days, I have no idea, but today is the second day, and so we're celebrating it, and the readings are for the particular day, uh, the 12th day of the month of Tuba. And only when this day lands on a Sunday uh, will you hear it during the Sunday Gospels, otherwise you'll just hear it during the middle of the week. Uh, it's hard enough to get people to celebrate Epiphany the first day, uh, so it's pretty hard to get them to come and celebrate it the second day, but maybe, God willing, we'll be able to have this practice soon. This unique gospel is followed, it's connected with the readings from yesterday. And if you uh, remember my challenge, my challenge was I wanted people to look and to search and to discover what are the readings that we celebrate in baptism, because you'll find them in these two readings, yesterday's and today's. Yesterday's reading of the Pauline epistle taken from Titus, that was the Pauline epistle in your baptism and in the baptisms that you've attended. Yesterday's reading from 1 John chapter 5 was in your baptism and also uh, in the baptisms that you've attended. And today's Acts of the Apostles is the Acts written in the, uh, in the baptism that we are also reading today. But I wanted to focus... Um, on these first two chapters of St. John, St. John, the evangelist, when he writes his gospel, he is a master of the Old Testament. St. John the Baptist, or sorry, St. John the evangelist writes everything uh, as a person who is well mastered in the Old Testament and in the liturgical life of the church, the sacramental life of the church. If, for example, you look at Revelation, the book of Revelation is like a big liturgy. In the very beginning, you have the letters, which is like the readings. And at the end, you have the marriage feast. Yeah, I've got a lot of stuff in between, but it's, it's following the structure of liturgy. People are, will study and they'll say, is it that the liturgy was being done this way and St. John was trying to have his, his vision match the liturgy? Or was his vision what he saw and now the liturgy matches what he, what he saw in the heavens, we don't know. But we have this parallel between what he wrote uh, and how we are in the liturgy. And, and so the first seven, uh, sorry, the first chapter of the Gospel of John into the second chapter, he's very clear about the days. The first day, second day, third day. And uh, it, if, you, if you study really well, it matches the story of creation all the way up until the sixth day. Sixth day, if you're reading carefully, is the wedding of Cain of Galilee. And so sixth day is also the, the creation of Adam and Eve. So you have Adam and Eve and the wedding of Cain of Galilee matching. And I'm just highlighting this to you for your own personal study. In today's, in today's gospel, we see a couple of remarkable things. We see John the Baptist point to Christ and say, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God, immediately we understand all the sacrifices of the lambs in the Old Testament, especially the one of the atonement. But he says, Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and two of his disciples leave him. 
which is amazing because John was not somebody who was trying to attract people to himself. He was trying to attract people to Christ. He must increase and I must decrease. And one of those two disciples, it says Andrew was one of those disciples who was following John the Baptist and left and followed Christ. Who was the other disciple? John. John the Evangelist. John the Evangelist who writes this gospel was originally a disciple of John the Baptist. And you can say that the gospel of John is also the gospel of John the Baptist. If you read how St. John the Evangelist describes St. John the Baptist and the words that he sees that, that, that he says, you can see a deep love, a deep love that John had, St. John the Baptist, had for Jesus Christ. And so this, the one who writes about love is John the Evangelist, but this comes from his original master. Now St. John says he must increase, and he's getting rid of basically everybody until he just dies alone. He's, he's sent as much as you can, the, the masses, to Jesus Christ, and he dies uh, for, uh, for sticking up for what is right and true. Now, one day I'll preach about John the Baptist, but not today. So now John the Baptist says, the Lamb of God, and two follow him. And they follow him, they say, Rabbi, where, do you, where are you staying? And he says to them a word, come and see. Come and see. This is not a come and see like, look, I live in this house, and this is what, it's not, this is something much deeper Come and see. When we try to understand God, and this is important, especially for the youth, the young, the, the, the young adults, when we try to understand God, a lot of times we are made to think that we have to study about God through our reading of the scripture, our reading of theology, and to be able to understand with our mind God. And so when we are trying to understand God with our mind in a very intellectual way, a very academic way, there's limitations. There are things that we just can't understand. But when we're trying to, our only relationship with God is through trying to understand Him with our minds, we fall short in our relationship with God. Come and see is an invitation to experience God. And when we experience God, the answers that we can't understand intellectually, we understand through our experience. So when it comes to knowing things, and if you study philosophy, and if you, um, especially modern philosophy, all of the desire to be able to prove that God exists, and to be able to defend God with, with strong ap ap apologetic arguments, all of that has its place, but there is also a very important place for the experience of God. And the experience of God can be described in another way. We could describe it with the experience of love. Right? Love is one of these things that you can't intellectually or academically prove. You can't say X plus Z equals love. You can't create love in a laboratory. You can't um, understand love by reading a book. So for example, if I wrote a story about how much I love my husband, or I love my wife, or I love my kids, if I wrote that, it's not going to give you that same love that I have. You'll understand the concept, but you won't have that same experience. The only way 
you'll be able to experience somebody. You say, I love this person. You have to meet this person. It's only through that relationship with that person that you say, oh, I understand now why you love that person and I love that person as well. That love is an experience similar to the experience of God. Come and see is an invitation to experience God. And every time we invite people to read the Bible or to pray or to come to church, it's an invitation to come and see. To come and see. It's not an invitation to a particular priest. It's not necessarily an invitation to a particular parish. We are inviting a person to see and to meet Christ, to meet the risen Lord. Come and see. A lot can be said about this. This experience of God. Do, do you know the story of how Christianity went to Russia? Christianity in the 9th century went to Russia. It wasn't, it wasn't Christian from the very beginning. And the Tsar of Russia, uh, his name is Vladimir, and he's considered a saint, sent emissaries to visit the different religions to find a religion for Russia. And so, um, you know, visiting whether it be maybe the ancient uh, religions of, um, you know, Greece or Rome, but they went and they visited the Muslims, they visited the Jews, and they visited the Christians. Now, the reason they rejected Islam and Judaism is kind of funny, and I, I always mention it, but they said um, about Islam and Judaism, they're nice and the religion's okay, but they don't eat pork and they don't drink. <laughs> so, you know, the Russians like to uh, have their vodka and stuff, so they were like, that's it, we can't do these two religions. But... That doesn't mean they just said, okay, de facto, we have to accept Christianity. But they went to Hagia Sophia, and probably some of you have visited Hagia Sophia in Turkey, in Constantinople, Istanbul. Um, and, and in that place, they said, and this is a quote from the letter that they wrote back to Vladimir, they said, We knew not whether we were in heaven or on earth. For surely there is no such splendor or beauty anywhere upon earth. <clears throat> we cannot describe it to you. Only we know that God dwells there among men, and that their service surpasses the worship of all other places. We cannot forget that beauty. We cannot forget that beauty. All we know is that God is among these people. This is perfect understanding of come and see. But the, the flip side of that, the other side of the coin, when we say come and see, when they come and they see, what will they find? What will they find? Come and see. And when we say come and see, we're inviting people to see Christ. Come and see, and then what will they find? What will they find in our church? What will they find in our homes? What will they find in our hearts? If they can see and uncover all the things that are hidden, all the secrets that we keep. Come and see is an invitation to meet Christ, but be careful because if we come and we invite them to see and they do not see, then we will be judged. St. Paul, sorry, uh, 
Saint Paul, yes, Saint Paul, and or was it Saint Peter? He says the the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. This is a very dangerous thing for us, a big responsibility, but also very dangerous for us if we call ourselves Christians, if this is the church of God. And we ought to be a church with doors wide open, inviting people to come and see. We pray that they come and see and find. They come and they see and they find who it is that we are inviting them to meet, which is our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, come and see has also, it keeps going, the story doesn't stop here. Because Jesus says to them, come and see, and they stay with him the day, um, up until they know the exact hour, up until the tenth hour was that they met him. And then Andrew, Andrew is always found bringing people to the Lord. He brought his brother next, Simon. He brought the lad that had the five loaves and the two fish. He brought the Greeks uh, later on to, to Jesus. He's, oh, we don't have sermons of Andrew, but we have his actions. He's bringing. So he goes and he... <laughs> What's beautiful about this is that St. John is also... He, remember how I said he's parallel. He's following what is happening in the, in the creation. What did, what did Cain do to Abel? Cain kills his brother Abel. But we see that Andrew becomes his brother's keeper. He does what wasn't done in the very beginning. Andrew does what, what, he was, what Cain and Abel were supposed to do. He is his brother's keeper and he brings, he brings his brother uh, to the Lord. And then the following day, they wanted to go to Galilee and he found Philip. And he said to him, follow me. And then Philip goes and he finds Nathaniel. Who's Nathaniel? Um, there's a theory. Nathaniel. Uh, so John the, John the Evangelist never mentions Bartholomew. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke never mention Nathaniel. So there's a possibility that Nathaniel is Bartholomew. Uh, nevertheless, uh, Philip finds Nathaniel and he says, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Jesus of Nazareth, this is how he describes him, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said, you know, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And what does Philip say? Come and see. He repeats the words of our master. He repeats the words, he's a good student. He's a good, he's a good disciple from the very beginning. He says, come and see. And Nathanael comes, and he sees, and he meets, and there's this, this kind of very mysterious exchange between Jesus and Nathaniel says, before Philip called you, under the fig tree, I saw you. And this is enough, this is enough for Philip, whatever the story is behind there, this is enough for Philip, or sorry, for Nathaniel, to say, most assured, or he says, you are not Jesus, the son of Nazareth, uh, that, that Philip was saying. Philip says, Jesus, son of Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. He says, no, 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 you're not the son of Joseph. You are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And he being an Israelite, Nathaniel, saying, you are my King. And, and, and then uh, our Savior promises uh, a, a deeper prophecy for him. But this, this 
opens up for us this word, come and see. A few chapters later, Christ doesn't just say, come and see. He says, come and drink. For I am, if anyone thirsts, he says, let him come to me and drink from the spring of life, the water of the living water. And a few chapters later, he says, come and eat. Partake of the body and the blood. You know, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. So the invitation to come and see is an invitation to come and drink. and Also an invitation to come and eat. It's a deepening of our relationship. You don't just come and see and stop. But you come and see and that leads to the next step. As we experience God in our life, we never stay at the same level. Our love can never stay at the same level. Anyone that you love, the love for that person deepens every day. It has to be that way. My love has to deepen for the people I love every day because I experience them every day. I experience them. The day, you know, the first day that I um, was married, I loved my wife, but the but, but my love for my wife now is much different than it was that first day. First day I had, you know, my first child. Yes, love the kid, but that love grows as you experience that person more and more. And every time you say, I love you to a person, it's different from the first time you said it, said it to them. More has happened. There's been more experience. Love is... Love is uh, and we thank God that we can experience love love from our parents, love from our friends love from our family members so that we can understand this great mystery and this great relationship so that our relationship with God can never be static if I think my love for God is the same today as it was yesterday then I'm fooling myself my love is getting worse it's getting colder it has to always be on fire it has to be renewed every day his love for us, if it says in the book of Lamentation that His compassion and His mercy is renewed every morning for us, no matter how we've treated Him in the past, we also have to renew our love for Him and deepen our relationship with Him. This invitation to come and to see is, a, is an invitation to deepen our relationship and not only to say, I see with my eyes, but to say, I see with my heart to know right? when I understand something I say I see I see not not with my eyes I understand the deeper mystery and so for us this invitation today from our Lord to the Apostles and from the Apostles to us to come and see has to also be a message on our lips we first have to experience the risen Lord and we have to take this message to the world and be able to say come and see Come and see, not being embarrassed of what we do here, not being embarrassed of how we have our religion and our faith, whether it's cultural or Coptic or whatever. There's nothing to be embarrassed because we know that Christ is here. And if we know that Christ is here, we know that all who come seeking after Christ will experience Him, will experience Him here. But we have to be careful. We have to constantly examine our lives, examine our interactions. That when we invite those to come and see, they truly, really do see. And that means I have to be living a life of repentance. I have to be living a life 
where I am asking for forgiveness and forgiving others. I have to be living a life of love, living a life of commitment, living a life where I'm willing to put up with the stink sometimes of those who are around us. And that, that stink, it's not, it's not easy. But we understand that in that life, when I'm dealing with difficult people, I am working, if I could say like a muscle, I'm working that muscle, that ability to love, to love unconditionally, to love people in their weaknesses, to love people in their, in their, in their shortcomings. And when, when you find somebody who's able to do this, you see a beautiful example of Christ living in a home, or you see a beautiful example of Christ alive in a person. Why do we get emotional when we see beautiful things, when we see people do beautiful things, when we see you know, a mother giving her life for her kid? Why do we get emotional? Because it's, it, we can't express the, the, the beauty of love and the beauty of, of, the, of the soul who's committed to the Christian life, the beauty of, of, of the martyrs, the beauty of those who live by the gospel. We can't express it. We get emotional when we see that because Christ is, is there and we see Christ in the midst of these people and we see those living by the gospel it's a beautiful thing so let us cleanse ourselves let us have that genuine experience of Christ let us cleanse ourselves of our sins let us uh, uh, repent again start new again renew our life with him and let us call those who are around us to come and see what we have experienced let us not be embarrassed let us not be shy let us not be uh, slow to invite those who are around us Another thing to think about it, you know, when we're in the judgment seat, and I think about this all the time, you know, what if, what if my neighbor, who I've never spoken to about Christ, what if he stands up, you know, before God and says, I was living next to a Coptic priest, and he never said anything to me about Christ. I was sitting next to a Coptic priest, and you could hear him yelling at his kids when they got too loud, you know. I was, I was living next to a Coptic priest and I never saw him you know, do anything kind towards me. You're going to judge me? I didn't know about this because this guy living next to me never said anything to me. So we have a responsibility to those who are around us. We don't have to go knocking on doors, but when we are in earshot or in eyesight, we have to be demonstrating what we have learned to the best of our ability. And where we fall short, we ask for forgiveness, we, we confess our sins. And we realize that even the ones who fall short but are living the life of repentance have Christ dwelling and are become beacons of light to those who are around them. Come, see, experience the love that Christ has given, that God has given to us through His, His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, who came into this world to bring us back to the Father. To Him be the glory, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, now and ever into the age of all ages. Amen. Amen.